Welcome to Cars Unfiltered, episode 4. On this Manufacturer Monday episode, we're going to be discussing which manufacturers take the most risks or are the most innovative in today's market. I'm Adam. I'm here with the normal hosts. I've got Mike over here. That's me. And uh, and I got Tom. La 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 la. Wow, Tom. Mike sounded so like unenthusiastic. So <laughs> Present. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so guys, what are your thoughts on uh you know well, who who's taking risks out there right now? Tesla. No, sorry. That's the fanboy. We're gonna start getting called fanboys here soon, guys. Yeah, right. sure. everybody's got their uh, their favorites over here. <laughs> Tesla's falling off of my favorites somewhat, though. Oh yeah, why? Because they're not taking enough risk for you. Because of their stock price, largely. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let's not bring stock price into what we're trying to figure out here. Okay. So, I don't know. Risk, innovative. I mean, along with the, I guess, I'm gonna go right with Ford off of this. You know, with the aluminum body, uh, aluminum, aluminum alloy body, F series. Actually, that's yeah, pretty that's, innovative. Yeah, that's a pretty good point, right? Um, no one's really successful. Well, yeah, they did. They took a big, uh, big step there. A big. A big risk, all right? We're going to use that word a lot in this conversation, I can tell. Um, they did, though. They took a pretty big risk with truck buyers. I mean, most you wouldn't think that most people would be okay with an aluminum-bodied, in any regards, pickup truck, right? So just going straight off of that with, obviously, the best-selling truck brand in America, uh it's that's not a small thing to do. Uh, they risk losing a lot of, to their competition right there. Yeah, yeah. And when that, you know, when that was first announced, I mean, that was actually when I was selling Ford trucks specifically. And I mean, the amount of just questions I had on that. Um, so many people just were one either you know misinformed about it, or they just you know were I had people all the time or what what are they thinking why are they doing an aluminum body this is a truck we work with it you know um but correct me if i'm wrong i mean they the ones i see on the road they seem to have held up quite well i mean granted we're only two years into this i mean kind of i guess like one of the things a lot of auto manufacturers seem to be doing is going into like modular systems right so you know you can't really do a, a lot of you can't do as much like body repair with aluminum because you know it doesn't right. bend back as well. You know, same thing with like you know engines. Like engines are getting more and more compact, and um, like the output is so much that things get worn out, and it becomes less and less you know financially viable to just you know replace the pieces that need to be replaced when mm -hmm. you can get a whole new engine for you know like another twenty percent more or something. But yeah, I mean. <clears throat> Aluminum, I don't know, aluminum is kind of interesting because then you have the Ridgeline, right, the Honda Ridgeline. They had a, you know, well, so after Ford put out the aluminum-bodied truck, you know, Chevy came after them about the beds, mm -hmm. and then Honda Ridgeline came after them 
both of them actually <laughs> talk about the little dog jumping at the big dog um, <laughs> with the ridge line and its composite bed, which is actually like the composite bed is actually really interesting to me because you could, I mean, I, I don't know, like as good as composites are these days, like you could have it hold up really, really well. And I think, you know, Ford took a risk going to aluminum, but I think they could have done if they if they would have gone to like some kind of like weird maybe composite insert something you know whatever that um they maybe could have taken a bigger risk and had it pan out better hmm that's that's really interesting with a composite you know composite body panels like that i mean we use them in things like bumpers but um hmm i guess I, you know i never even realized that the that the uh, ridge line had a full composite bed on that i never guess i'm just not familiar with that platform i just i just remember the commercials they came out with um you know they had chevy had the commercial where they dumped a bunch of block or whatever yeah. into the back of both the trucks cool right? <laughs> yep and then the ridgeline guys came out and did the same thing and then they like wiped off the you know like in the chevy one there was still dents and stuff in the bed right there's no holes but there was dents right right and the ridgeline one there was nothing like there was barely even scratches, <laughs> and so it was kind of like, oh, okay. Hmm. That's I'll have to look that up. I haven't seen those commercials, so we'll definitely have to check that out tonight. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I was just gonna move into like one of the things that kind of like stemmed this topic was um, Mike and I talking about the Chevy SSR, right? Um. There's which, a risk. <laughs> yeah, actually, which I just now realized is also a risk just in the name alone. Um, <laughs> good thing there wasn't a U in front of that. Um, oh, so, <laughs> sorry, that was especially like with these political times, that was a low, that was a low blow. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know why that just is so funny to me right now. Um, so that vehicle, I know some people who had HHRs, right? And like they look, I'm sorry. Yeah, like they look interesting, right? Like it was kind, of, it was something different in a time where vehicles on the road were very plain Jane, mm-hmm. no you know, smooth body lines, kind of like like anonymous blobs of metal going <laughs> moving on the road. So it was interesting, you know, it was different. Um, and I guess you could say, you know, you could kind of say it was a risk. And like Mike, you know, Mike kind of pointed out like some of the um facets of the SSR were like really unique and really risk taking and I don't know that they sold that many right but uh they de- you know they put the R&D in and they produced something so what are some of those assets mike cuz i i mean i'm i'm familiar with the SSR in in as far as it's a Corvette with a truck body and it's kind of an old man car Sorry, listeners. Wait, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely an old man car. Um, but I, I'm sorry, what term? What assets terms are we talking about here? So, so in the uh, like when we were talking in the truck, you we were pointing out like it was a, you know, it was like kind of a truck body, but it had you know it has kind of a car subframe. And then it also is like I believe it's a hardtop convertible or something. Oh yeah, no, it is yeah. a hardtop convertible. But mostly, what I was, um, 
trying to convey there anyways is it's reminiscent of, very reminiscent of uh, like the 1920s hot rotted uh, they call them uh, roadster trucks mm-hmm. and what it, what it is is it's a truck that has uh, the, a cab with the top removed right yeah and so they effectively did that by creating a retractable or a convertible hard top um but it's not something that you see anymore, right? I mean, nobody does a convertible hardtop just because of the amount of space that they take up. So it it does not go in any sort of truck vehicle at all. And then the fact that it's a performance convertible pickup truck, it's just it purely preyed on um, nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that, which is probably why you saw the demographics that you saw purchasing them. <laughs> and yeah, I mean... They... Old guy truck. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, then you have, you know, like I think the Prowler, right? Like that was um, a cool, that was a pretty cool car. Yeah, that was definitely like a risk, right? And there's very low production numbers, I think, for that as well. Very. So you have, and like then you, um, <clears throat> then you have. I'm trying to think. There was another one that I had on had in mind. Um, the maybe the Cadillac XLR. Yes, actually, that was the one. Thank you. Um, so like the XLR, right? Like that is a luxury brand re that. Well, let me put it this way. That is a rebrand of a high performance vehicle, borderline supercar, if not supercar, right over to a luxury brand. Right. And like those things, even still today, you know, over 10 years, you know, down the road still look good. Like, yeah. and I'm not even a fan of that, like boxy time in Cadillac, like Cadillacs. Can you imagine XLR now? Like with the new CTSV styling and stuff like that, like an XLR now would be ridiculous. It would one hundred percent look like a Batmobile. It, yes, it would be. <laughs> I mean, you think you know the 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 Mercedes AMG GTR and all that stuff is cool and blah blah blah. Like if you did a, another XLR, that would be or an XLR V, or an XLRR, right? Like you could you could seriously you know get some people excited in the market and I haven't heard any, you know, there's a mid engine that coming out and all that stuff, but I have heard no rumors of, you know, like the Cadillac, another Cadillac, uh, performance vehicle. So that, that said, right. Um, like you won't hear me. I, 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 for whatever reason, like I'm very critical of Chevy. There's a lot of things like, and it's not that I don't like Chevy by any, like people might think that occasionally, but what I really like is competition. And Chevy has just been, you know, made some decisions over time that I, I think were poor decisions for the company. Um, it's just my opinion, you know, like stopping the development of the Camaro um, was kind of like one of the big ones for me. But I'd like to point out right now, too, in their defense that, you know, the the brands that we're talking about here are only two of the big three. Like what, you know, like what's a, a, a vehicle that Ford has gone up on a limb on, you know, in the last 20 years? a realistically limb yeah i mean like the ssr like the xlr like you know what i mean like the like the prowler there isn't one i mean you could arguably say something about the ford gt but let's be honest that's not no that's a home run that was a guaranteed home run yeah right that's what what i'm saying so it it wasn't really a risk that they took and they did such low production numbers on it right that it's like basically a marketing tool anyway right yeah yeah i Honestly, I can't think of anything really. 
Right. And yeah. so, which is kind of part of Ford's like conservative nature as far as like business and stuff, which is also why they're, well, I guess we're not supposed to talk about it, but it's why their value is so low. Um, well, actually, <laughs> arguably, you could say something about the Ford Flex. No, because it was a hit in Europe. Like it came from Europe, right? Like everybody loves them over there. Was it already a hit in Europe? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I mean, you're the dude that works here. No, no the, you're thinking the transit. I'm talking the Flex. No, I'm talking about the Flex. The station wagon looking thing? Yep, yep. There's actually, like, versions. So that two-tone top thing, right, is, like, a very European thing. And then I think there's actually versions with, like, the British flag on the roof. Or was. I could be wrong hmm. on that, but I believe there was. Maybe it was a custom-added thing. But I'm pretty sure they were in Europe first. I don't know. I guess I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. I know the transit obviously was, but, you know. Yeah, right. right. That's, I, that's I, what I was I thinking. I didn't know about the flags. Um... But yeah, like even like even that, right? Like it's another SUV. Like SUVs really I mean, you can kind of they're pretty safe bet, right? Um but but yeah, so like, you know, Ford, like and what, you know, what could Ford do? Like, okay, let's let's say let's give Ford the uh, benefit of the doubt. Let's say there's something in the pipeline. Or let's say that let's make something up in the pipeline, right? What would you what would you put in there? Yeah, <laughs> that's actually about the response I figured. Right? <laughs> no, and you think about it, right? We were just saying, like, oh man, GM, if they made another Corvette Cadillac XLR, you know, that would be so cool. And now, you know, yeah. like, like, oh, let's let's make a, a Mustang version of the MKZ. No, <laughs> right? Like, like literally, all I can think about right now is a. Current design language XLR on a ZR1 platform. That's all I can think about at the moment. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're like, oh man, right? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, and like Ford, like Ford doesn't have. I mean, yeah, like the GT350, GT350R. You know what I mean? Like, those aren't risks, right? But those are going in the right direction, um, and they're definitely interesting. You know what I mean? But there's well, just isn't. Could, I mean, you could arguably say that introducing introducing something of the nature of the Continental, particularly the nameplate, right? But anyway, something along those lines of a of a sedan that's like that from Lincoln was a risk. Um, Which, it's, yeah, I guess it's you still could not say. really playing out, right? Well, because it's a Taurus, it's not a Continental, right? Right, and that's that's what I'm saying. So. It was a calculated risk to release it like they did. I don't think it would have been a risk had they released it a little more upmarket and changed the underpinnings a little bit. Um, but the way that it was introduced, I think, was fairly risky. That's true, but it wasn't like a, a fun risk, right? Like, to be honest, like, I don't exactly know why... Like I was really excited when the promo materials and stuff came out, right? And they like showed the gorilla. Yeah. And then it came out, they like unveiled it, and like the part of me inside me was like, Oh yeah, it's Ford, it's gonna be a Taurus. And the other part of me was like, But it could be so much more, we don't know. And that's it was not. (laughs) Right? I mean they're nice, right? Like their technology packages on Lincoln like a lot of stuff in Lincoln, the concierge service and all that stuff is really cool. But that's outside of my price range, you know, and it's still a Lincoln. And like I'm not gonna give up 
you know, steak once a week or something so that I can afford, you know, just to make up that little extra difference so I can afford a Lincoln right now. Yeah, right. So. It is interesting, though, the way that, you know, Lincoln is attempting to rebrand itself and, you know, become more relevant in today's market. I mean, like you said, the concierge, the black label, you know, additions, um, mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, the the problem with it, as much as I, I really like seeing them try to bring that brand back, is that they've get, really got to, like you said, do more than just make it a, you know, a rebodied Taurus or, you know, a rebodied Fusion, you know? Um, yeah. For, then that's what most of them are, which, I mean, to be fair, that's what Chevy and Cadillac have done for ever. That was one of the big things I think that I was never a fan of with um, GM is they take they take the same car and resell it under half a dozen brands, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why, like, Pontiac and Mercury went away, right? Right. Even though I loved Pontiacs and Mercury's, like, they're some of my two, like, you know, two favorite um, two favorite brands, actually. But yeah, like, oh, okay, so you have this vehicle. Um, let me let me see. So you have, well, it, this happened just as the MKC was coming out, right? So you would have had the Ford Escape, the Mer- Mercury Mariner, and then the um, the uh, MKC, the Lincoln MKC. That's all the same platform, but on three different brands. Same mm-hmm. thing with Chevy. You know, Chevy and <clears throat> although Pontiac was a little bit different, man. I don't know. Yeah, but they still shared a lot of the, even think about the GTO, right? It was a rebadged Holden, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So GM wasn't quite as bad um with utilizing the same platform across different brands. Right. But it was still there. Well, I mean, so I I think of even things that are out there currently. So like, you know, what do they have the the Chevy Traverse, the Buick enclave the gmc acadia those are all the same freaking vehicle it's different badges and different interior trim you know um or a tahoe a yukon and an escalade Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) so yeah so gm went from having four down to three and ford went from having three down to two yeah yep well uh, arguably ford went from having like seven or eight now to two well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, Land G- Rover and Mazda. GM went from having 15 <laughs> down to 3. Right. <laughs> Which is, True. I think that's good, though. I mean, that, that distills a lot of it down um, for for some of it. I mean, that's probably... But it's not a, as much I, fun. No, no, it's <laughs> not as much fun because you don't get as many different designs. <laughs> Wait, and you know who took a risk on fun, speaking of fun? Hey, look at that segue. Wasn't that good? <laughs> <laughs> Dodge, man. Like, look at their performance brand. What the hell have they been doing lately? Yeah. Um, they have been doing everything, right? Doing everything, but they've been doing, they've been killing it. So here's what, so here's what I like that they did recently. Okay. So in it app, it makes, okay, actually they kind of did this with the Viper too. And I know like, you know, Viper kind of switched, you know, wasn't exactly connected to them as much as it used to be, whatever, but the Viper doesn't make any sense, right? And this is this is kind of the interesting thing. Like like a Lamborghini, Ferrari, um a lot of those vehicles kind of don't make even like a Rolls-Royce, they don't make any sense, right? Like they're there just for like yeah, yeah, I have, you know, this outrageous looking car. Yeah, you know, I have this piece of art. Or yeah, I have this most cost 
the arguably most comfortable vehicle in the world, right? Like, that's what it is. They're not necessary, okay? And Dodge has embra- been embracing that, I feel like. The Demon <laughs> makes less than sense than any of those other vehicles I just mentioned, right? It's illegal to take it on the track. I mean, most, you know, or most drag strips, right? Yeah, right. It's, it's too fast. Yep. And, you know, the tires, like, you can't drive it really with the stock tires. You can't really drive it in rain or snow, which we have a decent amount of both here, yeah, right? Yeah, that you can drive it in mist in the Midwest. Yeah, in a cool morning. You yeah, can't, right? you gotta, <laughs> there's some sticker somewhere that says, the asphalt must be clean and no older than five years old and be at least 72 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> at the surface or more. So, um, and yeah, and then, I, it, yeah, they don't, they haven't given a, a flip about like hybrid technology or electric stuff, at least, you know, in this, in this sense. And yeah, they're just going bonkers, right? The Hellcat, you have a, you have a sedan that has 707 horsepower. I mean, yeah, sure. Look at that, and then not only that, look at the the Jeep brand itself, right? Oh yeah, they've, they've taken a, for all intents and purposes a brand that has one model and changed it into just this money printing machine. Yep. Well, and yeah, and Jeep has always been a thing, right? Like since the Willys, and they yeah they just embrace it. And you know how they? And this is the other thing. <laughs> They don't give a they don't care, right? They don't give a flip about any of this stuff because what has Jeep, the drivetrain and stuff, really changed on the Wrangler in the last thirty years? Yeah, who knows? Right. I mean, like, it's still like it's a frame with two axles and that is all. Yeah, right, exactly. Like there's no like, oh we made this lighter, we did this, blah blah blah. Like, no, it's like a heavy duty frame and two heavy duty axles. Like that's what it is. Well, um, argue arguably on some frame lightning and things as people's use cases changed a little bit. And as it got four doors instead of the, the classic two. But yeah, essentially your point is sound. Yes, continue. Yeah, I mean, everybody else would have turned it into a unibody, right? Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And granted, they you know they have the Patriot and the Liberty and all those whatever other models. but um, And then they came out with the Renegade, right? Because, you know, they're Fiat, essentially. And that's basically like a Fiat 500 uh, or the, what is it, the big brother of the Fiat 500, whatever that is? Oh, yeah. There's, yeah, the Fiat I 500, forget. I think. Well, no, the Fiat 500, like... X I or, know, or I don't remember. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, so that, that you know, that's basically the Renegade, except the Renegade, like, boosted up. Just like my, my 2002 Escape that I had was actually, like, a 98 Taurus lifted, right? So, um, but the Renegade, like, their marketing promo and everything for it is super good, and... Uh, a friend of mine had a Patriot and I was looking up the four wheel drive system on the Patriot one time. And this is, you know, the Patriot's like a $5,000 vehicle on the used market. Right. And the four wheel drive system on that thing was insane. Like it's their cheapest model. And I believe it is. I don't think the Renegade, I think the Renegade's even more actually. Um, and the, like the four wheel drive system was like this ridiculously intelligent, like did all this like auto braking and stuff. I, I mean, I can't speak to whether it did it well, you know, comparatively, but it was a very full featured, intelligent system. Um, and I just wouldn't expect that on like a bottom tier, you know, vehicle. Yeah, right. But you, you've got to remember there too, right? Four wheel drives what Jeep does. Right. Yeah. 
But I mean, like you look at like the Wrangler and stuff. The what I think of like a Jeep four wheel drive system is not like super duper intelligent. It's like transfer case. Oh and... yeah, right. You think of a lever. I think yeah. of two levers. I think of a stick shift, and I think of a four wheel drive lever right yeah. next to it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, there's a lever and two wheel hubs. I need to get out and turn those, and you know, like, yeah, right. and then, but it's not it's not gonna break. Or you know what I mean? If I think of like intelligent four wheel drive systems, I think of like you know Land Rover, but um, but yeah, like it's. I don't know. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely something to to see, anyways. I guess as far as that goes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. As far as like taking risks and stuff, like I feel like, um, you know, FCA, you know, Dodge Chrysler, like they're you know out there doing stuff. Like even Dodge, like with their trucks, right? Like the features that they're adding to their trucks. I mean, it seems pretty nice. Um, and then, you know, all the other things, you know, with Jeep and even like the Durango and stuff, right? Like I, there's a, I don't remember what it's called, either SRT or whatever, like version of the Durango that's insane. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that falls under the Ram brand now, doesn't it? I don't know. I yeah, they no keep changing what, it. I don't know what, what's going on over there. All I know is like pretty much everything Dodge, there is a... SRT or, you know, some kind of high performance version of it. And just like the Jeep too, like there's the SRT eight Grand Cherokee and everything. And those are all like really nice, especially now, like very luxurious, very, so you think, okay, right. We're just talking about those. So Ford, is there like, okay, there's like the Explorer sport, right? Yeah. Right. No, there's, there's absolutely nothing equivalent, no. right? We don't do no. that. No, Ford, Ford doesn't do that. No. Um, but like, speaking of Ford, something uh, while I'm thinking of not to keep this conversation within domestic automakers, but <laughs> but speaking of Ford, all right, in 2015, right, it was the first year that Ford ever offered a Mustang with independent rear suspension instead of a live rear axle. Not true. Okay, Tom, when's the other year? 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, and 2004. Yeah, what was it, the SVT Cobra? That doesn't count. <laughs> We're talking high number production or high uh, production numbers here, right? Okay. So, anyways, for all intents and purposes, it was 2015. And the risk that you have there is you have such a large enthusiast base with Mustangs, right? It's a very loyal following for the most part. And so historically the mustang has been associated with having this live rear axle setup and a lot of your enthusiast type buyers aren't necessarily open to buying a car with independent rear suspension mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's that's why too like okay so when they did independent rear suspension mustangs like the high you know gts and stuff are starting to put down serious horsepower right um and so like yeah, I think when you, you stock you stock five O Mustang GT right now. I think hit somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred and fifty horsepower. Yeah, uh, which, I think it's like four thirty five. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah, right. Which it sounds low these days, right? By today's standards, where you can get fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred horsepower, but that's still four hundred and some odd. Anything above four hundred horsepower is still substantial horsepower. Yeah, I mean, even my car with you know three hundred five or whatever. I turned the traction control off yesterday and it stepped out. No problem. You know, um, hashtag crowd killer. And so, 
<laughs> the roads were really wet yesterday in Michigan, everybody. I'd just like to point that oh, out. Oh, man. <laughs> no love for the V6, dude. No love. <laughs> like, oh, he's got a V6 Mustang. Screw that guy. Um, <laughs> okay, you were stepping out in your Mustang. Yep. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> oh, so essentially, right, like they had to do the, they had to do this independent rear suspension thing right, right? Like it had to be good. There needed to not be any problems. You can't have like weird, you know, traction uh, handling issues, you know, when they did it because you gain some stuff with independent rear suspension. And if you don't do it right, then you have problems. And also, like, you know, driving that much power and torque through an independent rear suspension transfer case. Or whatever you call it, I probably get the name mixed up. Um, like that's it's a lot harder than a normal, you know, solid axle, um, and stuff tends to break more. So this is actually the only, you know, has only been possible at these price points in the recent, you know, in recent history. So that said, right, like they had to do it well. The next thing that they have to do well is this 2019 or whatever Mustang that's going to supposedly going to be a hybrid, right? So like. On paper, I'm, like, super excited about this thing. Quite frankly, I'm kind of, like, saving up to, like, you know, I, I'm not, I wasn't going to buy another new car ever, and now I'm really considering, like, trying to order one when they come out. Yeah, but that, it's got to be good. It's got to be super good. It does. It has to be very good. Um, and to that end, right, it, if something comes out that's, if you have a performance car like that that goes hybrid, you, you kind of assume that it's going to be all-wheel drive, right? Because... There's much to do, for very little cost anyways, as far as packaging and whatnot is concerned. It doesn't cost much to make a car like that all-wheel drive if it's a hybrid, right? Um, and if they go that way, that's one thing. Or do they go the Volt model, right, where you have a hybrid where the, the combustion engine just charges batteries that run motors, right? Um, which also has the possibility of being very beneficial if the right performance and uh, whatnot can be achieved because essentially electric car right so massive amounts of torque but uh there's a, there's a lot of different ways you could go about that and that could really hurt your your user base as well i mean yeah if they had like a an engine a gasoline engine an ice engine driving like the charging of the batteries and acting essentially as like a capacitor charger i don't think i'd want that because i want to be able to go to a track and hammered down over and over and over again, right? Like at the drag strip or, you know, like even just doing laps and stuff, right? And I don't want to like be driving and like, oh, the, the internal combustion engine can't keep up charging them. You know what I mean? Right. Like something or something like that, which maybe they maybe they can produce enough electricity to where that's not a problem. But then, you know, if those, if the, <laughs> if the engine can keep up, then uh, maybe I'd want a bigger engine and a bigger generator and more power. You know what right. I mean? Right. And, and maybe they go the route of the uh, the Koenigsegg. Uh, what is it? The Rever the Regera? Is that, that the one that I'm thinking of? The hybrid, mm. the oh. hybrid Koenigsegg. Um, I man, I need to. I should know this. I can't remember. Yeah, Tom, you're our resident hypercar individual. Yes. <laughs> yes, and so is Google. Yeah, right. I thought it, I thought it was the one one, but I guess it is the Regera. No, yeah, I, th the, I think it's the, is it the Regera or the Regera R? I think it's the Regera. Yeah, okay, okay, but anyways, my point is that is a, that is a very interesting hybrid drive system, right? Where uh, there's electric motors that are driving 
the front axle, I believe. Um, and everything's connected through a, a really special torque converter, right? And it's powered by a five liter engine, and the thing's got something in the neighborhood of like eleven hundred horsepower, or whatever it is. Um, it's 1, just it's hundred actually yeah, fifteen. It's, wow, it's just a really interesting setup how they have that going. Actually, seventeen ninety seven. Well, that's substantially more than the eleven hundred that I was running with. Wow. So that's a good correction right there. Um, but my point being there, right? If if we have a setup like that for the Mustang, if we see that coming through, you could definitely grow your user base. If they had like a Koenigsegg, like a Mustang CK, like a Mustang Christian or CVK, ooh, Mustang GT CVK, yes. <laughs> I like it. The Christian von Koenigsegg Mustang GT. It, sound, it sounds sexy. I like it. Send a memo, Mike. Yeah, yeah, right, because <laughs> I can get that one done. Start start tweeting everybody. It's yeah, okay, right? I know your I know your Ford email and due to my profession I also know how to spoof emails, so I'll make this Oh jeez, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I'm pretty sure I can figure out their naming convention too, so I'll, maybe I can figure out <laughs> I'm Hackett. I'm just going to say this I'm going to say this right now, um, Mr. Hackett, if you get an email from me, please disregard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe I could just start. It, I could start out slow, sending him emails from himself with memes. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. Okay, I can start out with that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> cool. So we don't have I enough. Think... No, we don't have enough listeners yet, Tom, for me to quit my day job. No, it's true, and which is also a good reason why I I can say these things right now. I can get away <laughs> with a lot more than we can later. <laughs> Assuming we grow, which maybe we won't, we'll see. I'm gonna maybe I should just be like the sad, the sad Eeyore that oh we're not gonna don't, we're not gonna grow. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no one wants to hear that, Tom. Come on. Oh, okay. Dang it. All we right. already we grew at least by one listener today. All right. I know. I saw. I was happy. I was very happy. <laughs> oh man. Cool. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Unless you guys have anything else. No, I think that's. Uh, I think we've pretty much killed that topic. At have least you beat from, that horse dead. At least from the uh, the three auto manufacturers who are no longer the big three. Um, as far as the rest of the world, well, that'll be another conversation for another day. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about foreign stuff next time a little bit. We probably should. Yeah, just so we're well-rounded, unbiased kind of journalism. We don't have to be unbiased. I can think of at least a, co- a couple of other uh, large shows that may be a little biased towards one country over some others maybe oh yes speaking of which (laughs) there's a sneak peek for the grand tour season two that just dropped on amazon i have a link on carsunfiltered.com so you should definitely go check that out it's pretty good um i want to know how many takes there's a monkey at the end okay and i want to know how many takes it took to do to get that monkey to do that Oh, gee, now leave us hanging. Just leave us on a cliffhanger. And on that note, that's the end of episode four. Thanks for listening. (laughs) And because it's Clarkson, you know people want to know what that was that the monkey did. (laughs)